the pastors, and if you would, please grab your Bibles, open to Acts chapter 2, whether it's a paper version or digital, however you uh, carry your Bible here to New Hope. As we continue to study this book, Impact is our sermon series name, and what we're doing is looking at chapters 1 through 8 over the summer, deep diving into these eight chapters, looking at the early church and, and this group of you know, ordinary people like you and like me that the Holy Spirit began to use in extraordinary ways to impact their city, to impact their nation, and ultimately the world. It was a movement, it was a movement that began then, but the key thing is it's not just something that happened. Acts is history, but it's not just history. It's also about the movement that we get to be a part of today. We get to be a part of the same thing that the Lord is doing as his kingdom is advancing and so as we say these chapters, we're looking at various attributes of what does it look like? What are the, um, the attributes of being a man or woman of impact? Now, just by way of review, and of course, you can always go back and listen to these messages on Facebook, uh, YouTube, or the church website. But we talked first, the first Sunday we were together, we talked about the idea uh, that, of the, the church. And we have these alliterations of all these different P words. But we talked about purpose, that a person of impact has a clear sense of purpose. And that is their purpose is to glorify God as a witness for him. The next week, we talked about the, the principle of preparation, that when, when God wants to use a person, he'll take that person through a season of preparation, which may include waiting, prayer, time in the word. He always prepares you for what he has for you. And then last Sunday, we talked about the idea of power, and that is the Holy Spirit that came upon this group of people. You see, when the Lord calls you to something, he wants to use you in a certain way. He will always enable you for the task at hand. And so we can trust him for that. And so we have, we have purpose, preparation, and power. And we're going to jump off the P words of alliteration today. But we're going to talk about our fourth attribute. And our fourth attribute this morning is community. Community. And here's your big idea this morning. The big idea this morning is that the Lord calls his people to teamwork. The Lord calls his people to teamwork. And the thing about it is that the Lord loves and works in and works through the individual. But not any one of us can do what all of us can do. And so oftentimes the greatest impact that we see is through a community of people united in purpose, united in preparation, and in the enabling of the Holy Spirit to be used by him to make an eternal impact in the lives of someone else. Community is an important ingredient in what we're going to see here this morning. Just to kind of catch us up and give us background. We have Christ in Jerusalem, crucified, resurrected three days later. He had a, a period of time, 40 days, of appearing to the disciples. Finally, he ascends to the Father, but Jesus says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem, wait for the Holy Spirit. And then we saw in chapter 2, earlier in chapter 2, that is, that the Holy Spirit came down on Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit, who filled these early believers compelled them out of this upper room and began to engage with people, the crowds that were there packed in the streets of Jerusalem. And they began to minister to them, people of lots of languages, lots of nations, lots of cultural backgrounds, each of them hearing the gospel message of Jesus in their own language and then responding to them. This is incredible because this church in one day went from being a group of 120 approximately believers to about 3,000 120. That's a big day. And that's a lot of people, which is both exciting, but let's be honest, it's also problematic. Because in just a handful of hours, this group of people who had so much in common, 
all of a sudden became, again, multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-language. This group of people that have these characteristics, and if there was ever a group of people that you would look at and say, there's no way they'll ever come together. There's no way that they would ever have anything in common. If there's ever a group of people that they would be marked by being clicky and segregated, and this pocket's over here, and that pocket's over there, and the two shall not pass, I suppose it's that group. But that's not what happened. These people who had so much diversity came together in unity under the cross of Christ, and they demonstrated something very remarkable. Now, it wasn't always perfect, and we're going to see that here as we continue on in Acts. But they learned something important, and that is that they were better together. In fact, some say the miracle of the early church is captured, and hopefully you're in chapter 2. Look with me at verse 44. That the, early, that the miracle of the early church was captured by this sort of, it just is a, a, a common verse, I suppose, as you read through it, but it's significant where it says that all the believers were together and they had everything in common, everything that really mattered. That's a characteristic of this group. And so this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be a fly on the wall and we're going to watch this first church in action. We're going to see what this first church did as they first began to come together as a church. And here's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn some instructions for us as a church, New Hope Church, but also you're going to learn some things about your own life as well. Because what we do here is exactly what we should do everywhere. And so I hope you're ready. Got your Bibles. Let's jump in. We're going to start in verse 42. And this verse 42 of Acts chapter 2 is the key pivotal verse that we're going to camp on this morning, but there's more we'll cover. Because we're going to see what they did here in this verse. And what we're going to see is that they committed themselves to doing three specific things. Three things over and over and over again. This was the main thing in terms of you to ask, well, what did the church do? This is what they did. Look with me at verse 42. It says that they devoted themselves. Let me pause here real quick because the way the Greek reads in this verse is they devoted themselves continuously over and over, day by day, even moment by moment, hour by hour. This is what they were locked into. Maybe your version says gave themselves to. That's what devoted means, to give yourself to something. This is what they were sold out about. These three things as we continue on. So they devoted themselves continually. First, number one, your first fill in the blank, in fact. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And the big idea here that I'm just going to capture this by is simply learning. This group of people, they were hungry to learn truth. Many of them got a chance to learn under Jesus. All of them were getting a chance, as we just read, to learn from the apostles. We get to learn from the Bible where we get, to, we get to come under its lordship, its leadership, its authority, and we get to learn from it what is truth. We get to learn things like who is Jesus and what does it look like to follow him? You can only imagine the discipleship task that this early church had as you had 3,000 people in a few hours come into this, this community, the work at hand that they had. They had to teach them, well, this is, this is how you pray. And this is how you read the Bible. Tom was just talking about this and what he's going to be doing in Zambia. This is what it looks like to give. This is what it looks like to make disciples of somebody else. They were committed to learning those things. That's number one. In addition, they devoted themselves not only to the apostles' teaching, number two, next fill in the blank, and to the fellowship. The word here I want to use to capture this is loving. They loved each other. 
They were committed to caring for each other, to come alongside each other in all the contours of life, celebrating the highs and mourning with those who are going through the lows. In fact, I would say it this way, one tremendous mark of a Holy Spirit working in a local church is how the church treats each other. Especially when no one's looking, especially when you get nothing benefit-wise out of it, just to love people, just to care for people. And that's what they did. They were devoted to learning. They were devoted to loving. And finally, they were devoted to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I know that's two things, but I'm capturing that with one word, and that is worshiping. Worshiping. That when they came together, and you can, of course, worship in lots of different ways, and we know that they did as well. But the two things that they were consistently just devoted to was breaking of bread, the breaking of bread, which refers to communion, something we're going to do later this morning. And they prayed together. They prayed often together. So this is what they did. Learning, loving, worshiping. Repeat. Learning, loving, worshiping. What else did they do? Well, they did a lot of things, I'm sure. But you know what else they really did? They learned, they loved, and they worshiped. This was their passion. This was their pursuit. And this, by the way, is why New Hope, why we do the same thing. If you ever wonder, like, when you come to church, well, why do they do this and why do they do that? Well, because that's what the first church did. So here at New Hope Church, we do things. We pray, we sing, we open the Bible, we celebrate communion, we care for each other. These are the things that we're devoted to as well. And of course, it looks different. How they did it in Acts 2 and how we do it in Adel, Iowa in 2023 is so different. Because Adel is not Jerusalem and the year 30-something is not uh, 2023. See, the Bible gives principles and we get to develop methods. And so we get to fill out how this works and what this looks like. But here's the thing. So, so they gave themselves to learning, loving, worshiping over and over. And as they did that, what began to happen was God began to work in them and through them and build fruit or results that came out. This isn't anything that they fabricated, but God did it in them and through them. They began to experience some things that as they learned, loved, and worshiped, that began to be absolutely amazing and continue to change lives, continue to have a ripple effect in their community. See, the thing is that good results followed their good devotion. And so we looked at three things they gave themselves to. Now I want us to see three things that were the results of their devotion. And these are the things that we want to see in our church too. These are the things that I want to see and you, I hope, want to see in your own life as well. Look with me at the first one. Here's the first result. It's togetherness. Togetherness. Look with me at verse 43. The description continues, again, talking about this outcome, if you will. It says that everyone was filled with awe. Well, who's the everyone? Is it just the church, these group of people, these believers? Was it the city that began to watch, to see them? We don't really know, but maybe it was both. Because nobody had really ever seen a movement like this. Nobody had ever seen something quite like what people were seeing. And they were, they were in awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles and all the believers were together as we just read and had everything in common. Again, this beautiful passage of togetherness, these 3,000 people plus that love to be together. You know what's interesting? In the book of Acts, 
you never ever have a pastor or leader that stands up in front of the community of believers and asks them to show up for something. Never happens. You couldn't keep them away. They just wanted to be there. They just wanted to be together, whether it was a gathering as we're gonna see in a moment or whether it was times during the week and they were scattered all over Jerusalem and the city. You couldn't keep them away from each other. They just loved each other. They loved each other's company and they loved sharing life together. Jump with me to verse 46, if you would, please. Continues, it says that every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Here you get a little bit more of sort of how the method and how it worked for them as they would gather together throughout the week. You have a picture up there because we see that it says that they, they gathered in the temple courts. We know from Acts chapter five, verse 12, they gathered in what's called Solomon's colonnade or Solomon's porch. And that picture is the temple mount as it would have looked back then. And I try to give some blue arrows along the perimeter because you have this colonnaded shaded area that wrapped the perimeter, perimeter of the temple mount. This was the court of the Gentiles. Anybody could go there. Everybody was welcome there from any nation, culture, tribe. It didn't matter. You could be in that place. And the the first Christians, they would begin to gather there. And guess what they did when they gathered there? They learned and they loved and they worshiped together as they were corporately in one place. But it wasn't just that. Because not only did they gather, but they also scattered. As we see in that verse there that we just read, that they began during the week, they would find ways and places to meet together. See, for us, it might look like, like a small group that meets during the week. That community of people that you love and you care for and they love and care for you and you pray for each other and you get in the word together. You challenge each other. It looked like all the ways, and we couldn't even count them, all the ways that, that you here on campus online where you, you, um, you call up a friend or text and you say, let's meet for coffee. You have people over for, for dinner, a play date at the park, time together, sharing life, praying for each other. That's what it looks like. The local church gathers corporately and then we scatter. We come together for encouragement and then we go out. If you will, this is like, and I've used this illustration before, like football. This isn't the game, this is the huddle. We come together. How are you doing? Let's get on the same page. Here's the play. Can I encourage you? Great job. Let's, let's do better over here. And then we go from here and we scatter and we go out and that's where the play happens. That's where the action happens. God working in you and through you in all the places where he's placed you. Because see, where you work and where you play and where you live, God has put around you relationships. You have relationships I don't have and I have some that you don't. See, God works through the individual and in the individual, but look what he can do through all of us together. This is what he does and this is how he works. And so you, you see this result of this tremendous togetherness that these believers, this first church had, but there was more. Our second, number two, generosity. I would even add radical generosity. Look with me at verse 45. It says, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Wow. And you wonder why people in Jerusalem watching this first church care for each other and relate, why they weren't saying that's different. Who else does that? 
And, and you can easily imagine a church going from 120 to 3,120 people from all the 15, I think we counted last week, 15 different nations and languages coming now to Jerusalem to be part of this church. You can imagine the needs. These people had needs. They need to be assimilated into the community. They need housing. They need to be fed. They need to help find jobs. You have situations where the first Christians, they're not worshiping Caesar. They're not worshiping other gods. And so you can easily imagine they began to lose their job. God, how are you gonna provide now? The other hardships of life, the need was tremendous. How do they meet the need? Well, God used what was moving in their hearts, radical generosity to give to meet the needs. This is not communism, by the way. This is just generosity of people saying, because God is so generous with me that I'm willing to part with my resources as he leads. And and, in this case, to sell goods, to sell stuff, stuff maybe they didn't need, maybe they did need it, but to be generous and to share with others. And by the way, if if you had this thought like, that's weird or that's crazy, but actually that's what happens here. And it isn't printed in a bulletin on Sunday morning and we don't flash it on a screen up there. It happens all the time. You, God working through you to meet the needs of someone else. I see it, I hear of it, I applaud it. That's God working in you and through you. And this is another uh, mark, if you will, of this, this first church So we have togetherness, we have generosity, and we have one more, number three, and that is joy. Our last verse this morning, Acts 2, 47, it says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That's joy. There was so much joy in this early church, so much excitement about God excitement about what he was doing, excitement and gratitude to be a part of this, this community of people, it became infectious. It was something they wanted to be a part of. It was something they were so excited about. It was something absolutely beautiful. This church, it was committed to learning, loving, and worshiping. You know what else it was? It was a community that you couldn't keep people away. Because the growth didn't stop with 3,000 on Pentecost. Look with me in the second part of the verse. It says, and the Lord, I put that in red because in the Greek, that's what's emphasized. Don't ever think it's programs, people, personalities, or anything else. It's the Lord. It's always him. It's always him. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's the same today. A church that is locked in to what God has called his church to be about. And he begins to bless and to work through that church. And you begin to see things like togetherness and generosity and joy in that community. I will tell you, you cannot keep people away. You can't. Because that's what it looks like. And that's how it is when he is at work and people wanna be a part of it. There's nothing else in the world like it. There's nothing else in the world you can compare it to when a church is healthy, is focused on the gospel and doing the things that he's called a church to be about. And so we have this incredible description of this first church. And maybe this morning you're looking and you're thinking, okay, that's a cool church. Yay for them. Would have loved to be a part of that. But the thing about it is it just didn't happen for a little bit of time. It didn't just happen with just a specific group of people. 
because I want to introduce you to somebody else that had something else to say about this. A gentleman named Aristides, probably haven't heard of him. He's a philosopher. He lived uh, in the second century. He wrote a letter to the Roman emperor Hadrian. We were able to get this letter. And in this letter, what he's doing to the emperor is he's trying to give a description to the Roman emperor of this, this church, this, these early Christians and what they were like. I wanna step back in time, almost 2000 years ago. I wanna share with you just a little bit of his letter here. And I want you to remember as I'm reading this, this was a hundred years approximately after Acts was written. Look what he says. You can follow along on the screen behind me. He wrote this to the emperor. He said, but the Christians, O king, as we learn from their, as we learn from their writings, they have come nearer to truth and genuine knowledge than the rest of the nations, for they know and trust in God, the creator of heaven and of earth, in whom and from whom are all things, to whom there is no other God as, uh, as companion, uh, from whom they receive commandments, which they engraved upon their minds and observe in hope and expectation of the world, which is to come. What does that sound like? That's learning. That's learning about who God is. This group of people, a hundred years later, he's like, you know, some things about this group of people is they have, and I love the phrase especially, they have engraved upon their minds the commandments of God. They're in the word. They're memorizing the word. They're living the word. They're saturating their lives with the word. They are passionate. They were passionate to learn. The letter continues. The next thing he says, he says, they love one another. And from widows, they do not uh, turn away their esteem. And they deliver the orphan from, uh, from him who uh, treats him harshly. And he who has gives to him who has not without boasting. And when they see a stranger, they take him into their homes and rejoice over him as a very brother. There's loving. Loving people, widows and orphans and strangers. It's radical and beautiful generosity they showed. Last quote. He continues in his letter. He says, and they do not worship strange gods. And they go their way in all modesty and cheerfulness. And every morning and every hour, they give thanks and praise to God for his loving kindness toward them and for their food and their drink, they offer thanksgiving to him. And here we have worshiping. It isn't just something that happened. And it isn't just something that happened with this first church. You see the echoes of it go throughout time. Learning, loving, worshiping. Learning, loving, worshiping over and over again. And is it any surprise that after he wrote this letter at some point before he passed away, Aristides became a Christian? Of course he did. Because there's nothing else like this. There's no other description of a community that is like this. You see, when a person, when a person chooses to live wholeheartedly for Jesus, that is a beautiful thing. But when a community makes that commitment and makes that decision, it's revolutionary. And that's how God worked. And that's how God is working 
today. And so as we close this morning, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Number one, I want you to take some time today or even now or in just a few moments, and I want you to evaluate your own life. How are you doing in the areas of learning, loving, and worship? What is your temperature, if you will, when it comes to just time in the word and giving God your full attention? When it comes to whether it's on a Sunday or other places where you go of being very intentional to love people, to look for needs. And then worship. And we can worship in all kinds of ways. Song, obedience, sacrifice, generosity. All that's worship. How are you doing in these areas? Because it isn't just something we do when we come here. It's something we do and we should do everywhere we go. That's my first question for you this morning. My second question. Have you found your place at New Hope Church? If you're here on campus or watching online, I'm so glad that we're all together every Sunday. But let me tell you, as one of your pastors, my harsh desire is that New Hope is never a place to attend. But it's a family to belong to. That's my harsh desire for you. That it's a family that loves you, that will pray for you and support you. And that you can love and pray for other people and support them and walk alongside them. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for all of us. And if this morning, if you, if you sort of kind of evaluate your own life and say, I, I don't know if New Hope It is my family. That may be for a couple of reasons. The first one is you may have been hurt. And if you were hurt in a church before you came here, I'm really sorry. I have too. And it's hard. Because it's just as wonderful as the church can be, as we've just been talking about this incredible description, when it's healthy and it's locked in on Jesus and doing the things it's called to be about, When a church gets off of that, when it's doing something different, it's destructive and a church can hurt. And so if that's where you have been, if that's where you're coming out of, or maybe you just haven't sort of taken a step, this is what I wanna ask you to do. And I know it's a big ask. I would like to ask you to just take one step. Just, would you trust us enough to take one step closer to being in the community at New Hope Church. Doesn't mean you have to dive in the deep end. Just one, just one step. So maybe for you, that looks like, um, well, okay, so we have a class coming up called First Step in July. It's an amazing class where you get to learn about the history, values, vision, mission of our church. It's a great place to go and to see, am I a good fit here? That's a wonderful place to dip your toe. And that's coming up and you can sign up for that. You got the connection card in your bulletin. Information's in the bulletin. Uh, Maybe for you, it's a small group of saying, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to to take that step. And if that's where you're at, small group sign up is coming up. Would you just be praying about that? Or maybe for you, it's a matter of um, serving. Serving is a wonderful place to meet people. We We say here at New Hope Church, no one ever serves alone. And so as you get to use your gifts and you get to bless other people, you do so shoulder to shoulder with others and you make friends. 
and you get to be a part of something. And maybe it's just something as simple as, as Pastor Tom talked about it and helping serve breakfast at Lawn Chair Church to help raise money for the pastors in Zambia. That's a wonderful place to come in and just get plugged in. Or, or, or maybe we're moving soon. That's exciting. And so you got a pickup truck or you got two hands and two legs. You're like, hey, I'm, I'll help, whatever I can do. There's all kinds of wonderful ways and you get to meet people and share life and laugh and get connected. Would you just take a step? Would you take a step? That is my encouragement for us all this morning. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up because we have one more step we're gonna take this morning. And that is that we're going to worship. That's what the first church devoted themselves to. And so as we close this morning, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take some time and we're gonna pray. We're going to pray together during our time of communion, but after the service, there'll be people up here to pray with you and for you. We're gonna worship in song. And we're also going to, as it said in Acts 2, we're gonna break bread or we're gonna celebrate communion. We're gonna take time to, to remember Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross. We're gonna take time to, to tell him thank you for the gift of salvation, a gift that is graciously given. We didn't earn it and we don't deserve it. But this morning, as we, in a moment, receive the elements, the bread and the, the cup, here I'd like to ask you to do is, is the gentlemen are gonna hand them out. You can come on up if you would, please. And uh, just take the bread and take the cup and, and just hold on to it. The worship team's gonna play a song. You can pray during that song. You can sing along. You can just get some time with, with the Lord. But hold on to that, and then we'll partake together after the song. If you're here this morning and you're just a guest or you're just checking things out or you're not even sure about this whole Bible or Jesus thing, I'd encourage you, just let the elements pass by and just observe. Just, just watch what's going on. And so I'd encourage you now and invite you to spend some time with him, to worship, and to pray as we celebrate what the Lord accomplished on our behalf. Let's do that now. This is the body, this is the blood, broken and poured for all of us. And in this communion, we share it. is the body this is the blood this is the body
so thankful for New Hope Church because I see in you and in this community to his glory and credit I see togetherness and you are a very generous people and I see joy here and it is a privilege to be a part of isn't it but here's the thing it isn't about us it's never been about us And those good results have nothing to do with us either because it's all about Jesus in us. It's all about his working in us. And it's all ultimately about what he did on the cross on our behalf, freely, willingly laying down his life when we were least deserving to pay our sin penalty. That's what he accomplished. And that's what we celebrate when we grab the bread and we have the cup Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke and he said, this bread represents my body. Given for you, broken for you. Whenever you take of this, remember me and what I've done for you. Let's partake together. And later that same evening at the Last Supper, he took He took the cup and he said, this cup represents my blood, my life and the new covenant that I will establish with you. Whenever you drink of this, remember me and what I've done for you. Let's partake together. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning we we come humbly with hearts full of gratitude for who you are. We thank you that you have pursued us, redeemed us. Through your Holy Spirit, you indwell within us that you love and lead us day by day. And you put us into community. That we can experience togetherness and not journey by ourselves. I, Father, I pray that individually in households and us as a church corporately, that we would be devoted as they were to learn, to love, and to worship you throughout every day. And as we do, to watch the incredible and amazing things that you accomplish. That like that first church, that we too could stand in awe. And all we can do is point to you and say, look what you did. Father, we thank you for this time together as we're here on campus and scattered all over Dallas County and beyond. We thank you and love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You please stand and join us in a song of response. You know, we truly worship a God of, of promises that is good to keep his promises. The, the Old Testament is filled with prophecy that was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And, and God continues even now to be faithful and see us through in the ways that he has said he will. Let's, um, as we sing this new song, Promises, that, that's the reflection. We're worshiping our God who, when he speaks a word, it comes to pass. And we can take, um, have our faith grounded in that.
of Abraham, you're the God of covenant, faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven, you do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow up, they stand fast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me.
Father God, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness. That is, even as we walk through all these different seasons of life, maybe through doubt, maybe through trial, maybe through joy, your faithfulness never leaves us. Jesus Christ, we thank you for the example that you set, that as we come together as a body of believers, that you are the head. You lead us, you guide us. And Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit in us that gives us the power and the desire to glorify and praise you. Father God, we love you this morning. We give you all the praise in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And thank you for joining us this morning. We encourage you to uh, come up and join folks in prayer if you'd like to. Enjoy time of fellowship. Pastor Tom would love to speak to you about his project in Zambia. Do all those things. Have a wonderful Sunday. God bless.